Well, good morning, church. If you're viewing for the first time this morning, my name is Timon Benson. I'm the senior pastor here at City Reach Baptist Church, Oakton, and I want to extend a warm welcome to you. On Sunday mornings, we've been studying the Gospel of John together in a series called Church Renewal. And we're doing this series because we believe that what God wants to do in our church during this season is He wants to renew us so that when we come out the other side, we'll be ready for what um, He has next for us. And so far in our series, uh, we have seen in John 14 that God wants to renew our relationship to the Holy Spirit. And then as we've come into John 15, we see that God renews us through divine pruning. He prunes us back so that we'll be more fruitful. And then last week, we saw that uh, we are renewed as we abide in Christ, as we remain vitally connected to Jesus. But this morning, we've come to John 15 and verse 12. So if you have your Bibles there this morning, open them up to John 15 and verse 12. And Jesus, right at this point, is reaching a climax. And in our passage this morning, Jesus says something really astounding. He turns to his disciples and he says this, He says, no longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends. Now, this would have almost made his disciples fall over in disbelief. You see, a friend of God in the Old Testament was a title that was only given to the spiritual elite. You see, there are only two people in the Old Testament who are ever considered friends of God. In Isaiah 41, verse 8 God calls Abraham, the great patriarch of the people of Israel, he calls him his friend. And in Exodus 33, in verse 11, it says that God would speak to Moses face to face as one would a friend. So when the disciples heard Jesus say, you are my friends, it was really significant. He was putting them on the same level as Moses and Abraham. But you see, this is what makes Christianity unique. You see, Christianity involves a unique invitation, the invitation to become a friend of God, the invitation to come into personal relationship with God. Now, this is unique in comparison to all the other religions of the world. You know, the great Eastern religions of the world, and I know I'm generalizing here, but the great Eastern religions of our world, they tend to present God as being above and beyond our human experience. Uh, God is a force. He's not really personal in the great Eastern religions of the world. So he's not a person who can be encountered. So friendship with God is really something that is very, very unique to Christianity. And in Christianity, the way that you come into friendship with God is also unique. You see, unlike all the other religions in the world, the way you come into friendship with God in the Christian faith is not by your works or by your efforts, But you see, it's by His grace. You see, God's love in the Christian faith is a gift to be received, not a wage to be earned. It's a no-strings-attached present for the hopeless and the weak, not compensation for the hardworking and the strong. You see, according to the Christian faith, it is God who seeks us out and invites us to be His friends, not the other way around. And it is he who removes the greatest obstacle to us becoming his friends, which is our rebellion and our sin. You see, the Bible says that we are his enemies. We are God's enemies, and we're rebelling against him. 
And because of our rebellion and sin, God has every right as the God of the universe to just ignore us and to allow the destructive consequences of our sin to take to have their way. He, he has the right to allow every single one of us to suffer the destructive consequences of our sin, which is death. But God doesn't do this. Out of his great love for us, he steps in. And while we are raging against him and living without regard for him, he steps in and God took the penalty of our sin upon himself, which is death. And now because he's taken away the consequences of our sin, which is death, he invites every person to come into friendship with him to find forgiveness and friendship. And his love and grace will always be on the basis of his uh, will, his friendship with us will always be on the basis of his grace and love. His friendship with us will always be on the basis of what he has done, not on the basis of what we will do. You see, we'll never be able to earn his friendship. You see, it doesn't matter if you've been a friend of Jesus for five minutes or for 50 years. Your friendship with Jesus is not based on the fact that you are a really good friend, but that he is. But while the basis of our friendship with God is on the basis of his grace, well, yeah, is on the basis of his grace, I wonder what type of friend are you to him? You see, while he is never going to leave you and always will remain faithful to you once you've accepted his invitation to friendship, how are you responding to him? What type of friend are you to him? You see, the God of the Bible doesn't treat us as robots. He could. He could just snap his fingers and he could get us to do exactly what he wants us to do. But the God of the Bible doesn't do that. No, God invites us to respond to his invitation to friendship. And then he invites us to grow deeper in friendship with him. He doesn't twist our arms. He, he doesn't make us, but he invites us to come and to grow deeper in our friendship with him. You know, once we've accepted his friend request, he will never delete us from his friends list. But once we are his friends, he invites us to go deeper with him. You know, this past week I was reading something by the great devotional author Oswald Sanders. Oswald Sanders once said, you are as close to God as you choose to be. You know, that's very challenging, isn't it? God has made the invitation for you to be his friend, but you are as close to God as you choose to be. So how are you growing? How are you going in your friendship with Jesus? Jesus is a friend who will never leave you or forsake you, but how are you going? Are you deepening your friendship with Jesus? Well, as we look at this topic of friendship with God this morning, I want to look at three questions. First, I want to look at what is the indicator that we are becoming a closer friend of Jesus. Then second, I want to look at what friendship with Jesus involves. And then finally, I want to look at how we can deepen our friendship with Jesus. So first, what is the indicator that we are becoming a closer friend of Jesus? Then secondly, what does friendship with Jesus involve? And then finally, how do we deepen our friendship with Jesus? So first, let's look at what is the indicator that we are becoming a closer friend of Jesus? Well, look down in your Bibles in verse 12 of John 15. In verse 12, Jesus is moving from the general to the specific. You know, if you look back in your Bibles in verse 9, you'll see that Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. In other words, Jesus is saying, as I have lived in close friendship with my Father, I want to live in close friendship with you. Now pursue friendship with me. 
But how do we live in close friendship with Jesus? Well, look down in verse 10. Jesus goes, to, goes on to say, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So remaining in uh, keeping Jesus' commandments, obedience to Jesus' commandments, is how we develop deep friendship with Jesus. But what is his commandments? Well, look at what he says in verse 12. As I said, Jesus moves from the general now to the very specific. In verse 12, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, this is the second time that Jesus has said these words that night. Earlier that night, when Jesus was reclining at the Passover table with his disciples, he turned to them and said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. But here, Jesus repeats it. Whenever you see Jesus repeating something, he's repeating it for emphasis. You know, as I read verse 12 this week, I was blown away because there are a million other things that Jesus could have said at this point. He could have said, This is my commandment that you pursue holiness and abstain from sin. Certainly, personal holiness is an indicator that you are growing in your friendship with Jesus. Or Jesus could have said, this is my commandment, that you pray and seek me every day. Certainly, the desire to spend time with Jesus is an indicator that you are growing in your friendship with Jesus. But he doesn't say that. Out of all the commandments he could have chosen, he chose this one. And I think that is because the true indication that you are becoming closer in your friendship with Jesus is that you are becoming like Jesus. You know, it's true, isn't it? That we become like the people that we associate with, that we spend time with. You know, studies have shown that you will start to look like your best friends. And in fact, you'll start to earn the same income as your best friends. Now, that's scary when you think of some of the friends that you have. Hey, Smish Travel, that's pretty scary. You know, I've been married to my wife, Tegan, for 26 years. And she is my best friend. And like it or not, I am becoming like her, and she is becoming like me. You know, I grew up on a farm where, um, growing up on the farm, our farmhouse was often very untidy. Um, now, this was not my mother's fault. My mother did her best to try and train us, but we were not very good students. Uh, and so when we would come in from being out on the farm, we would often just you know, dump our clothes anywhere in the house, and it used to drive my mother nuts. Well, Tegan's home, on the other hand, she, she grew up in a very English family, and so everything in our home was just immaculate. Everything had its place, and everything was in its place. Now, when Tegan and I got married, we, so we came from very different upbringings, I know that I would drive Tegan crazy when we were first married. Because I would just, like I had done growing up, I would just come home and when I got changed, I would just, you know, get changed and my, just drop my clothes on the floor. And Tegan would come in and she would say, what are these doing there? They don't belong there. And we'd get into arguments. Well, you know, after 26 years of marriage, you know, after 26 years of being married to my best friend, I have to tell you that she's had an impact on me. A messy room now really bothers me. When I see clothes on the floor, it bothers me. I, I have to go and pick it up. That's because she has had an impact on me. And in the same way, the indicator that you are becoming a closer friend to Jesus is that you are becoming more like him. And in particular, you are becoming a more loving person. 
A person who loves others just as Jesus has loved you. But how has Jesus loved you? Well, Jesus has loved you with a generous love. I mean, he is generous in his acceptance of you. He loves you regardless of your performance. You know, you might have had the worst week possible this week, but Jesus still loves you and accepts you. You know, are you that type of person? Do you accept others, warts and all? Do you have a generous spirit so that when people are around you, they are just, they just are warm to you because of your generous spirit? Or are you the sort of person that people feel very uptight around because they're never quite sure whether they measure up to your standards? Well, Jesus also loves us with an active love. He doesn't just say that he loves us, but he demonstrates his love for us. Are you that type of person? Do you love others with an active love, not just in word, but also in action? And Jesus also loves us with a truthful love. You know, Jesus doesn't just tell you the things that you want to hear. Jesus will tell you the things that you need to hear. Are you that sort of person that because you're loved by Jesus, you can therefore tell others the truth at risk of offending them? You see, the indicator that you are growing in your friendship with Jesus, I think primarily, is that you're becoming like Jesus. You're becoming a person who loves others just as he has loved you. But what does friendship with Jesus involve? We've looked at the indication of whether we are growing closer in our friendship with Jesus. It is that we are becoming like Jesus. But what does friendship with Jesus involve? Well, I think that friendship in, with Jesus involves two journeys, an inward journey and an outward journey. First, friendship with Jesus involves an inward journey. Look down your Bibles in verse 15. Jesus says to his disciples, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You see, trusted household slaves might know a lot about their master's business but they still just had to follow orders and they didn't really have insight into the heart of their master. They didn't know their master's secrets. They didn't know their master's heart. And you see, what Jesus is saying to his disciples here is he's saying, I don't just consider you anymore just as servants, but I consider you my friends. I'm giving you access to my heart. I'm giving you access to my secrets. And what amazing access Jesus gave to these men. I mean, later that night, they would be with Jesus as he sweat drops of blood, as he considered what it was going to cost him to go to the cross, as he cried out to the Father, Father, take this cup from me. But you see, that is the nature of true friendship. True friendship involves an inward journey where you progressively reveal more and more of yourself to another person. Uh, you know, if you don't have any real deep friendships at the moment, it's probably because of one of two things. Maybe it's because you're the sort of person when you meet someone, you just spew everything out on top of that person. Uh, you just share way too quickly and people are scared off. You know, it does take time for trust to build. You can't force friendships to go deep. 
Or maybe the reason you don't have deep friendships is because you're a closed book. You don't open up enough. You don't reveal your heart, the, the secrets that you have in your life. You see, because true friendship, true friendship involves this inward journey where you reveal who you are and the person also reveals who they are. And you can only go to a, a depth that both of you are willing to go to. Well, here's the thing about our friendship with Jesus. It's exactly the same. Your friendship with Jesus will grow as you take off the mask and get real with Jesus, as you respond to his word and you respond to the Holy Spirit as he moves in your life and you respond and you confess your sins and you get real with God. But also the amazing thing is, is that not only do you open up and go on this inward journey, but Jesus is willing to reveal more of himself to you. You know, Warren Wearsby writes this. He says, one of the greatest privileges that we have as his friends, as the friends of Jesus or the friends of God, is that of learning to know God better and getting in on God's secret. We are his friends and we ought to be near the throne, listening to his word, enjoying his intimacy and obeying his commandments. You know, getting to know Jesus is more than just getting to know theoretical or abstract concepts about Jesus. It's actually learning to know more about who he is. It's learning to know his ways. You know, I love the prayer of Moses in Exodus 33. In Exodus 33, after it says that Moses would speak to God face to face as, as, a, as a friend, um, Moses makes this request of the Lord in verse 13 of Exodus 33. He says, Lord, show me your ways that I may know you. Show me your ways, Lord, that I may know you. You know, that should be the heart of every Christian. Lord Jesus, show me your ways. I don't just want to know you as an abstract thought or as a theoretical concept. I want to know your ways. I want to know you personally, Lord Jesus. But not only does friendship with Jesus involve this inward journey, it also involves an outward journey. Look down in verse 16, Jesus says, You did not choose me, choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. You see, friendship with Jesus has a purpose. Part of being a friend of Jesus is inviting others to become the friends of Jesus. You know, this verse is the closest thing in John's gospel to the Great Commission. Notice the language. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go, to go and bear fruit. Notice that this language is so similar to the Great Commission. But it does make sense, doesn't it, that if we are growing in our inward journey with Jesus, if we are getting to know the goodness of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the kindness of Jesus personally to us, then we would want others to experience our best friend, Jesus. You know, have you ever had a best friend and you, you have this friend and, and you meet other friends and you want your other friends to know this best friend of yours? And you do that out of sheer joy because you want your other friends to enjoy this best friend that you have. You know, a number of years ago, I had the privilege of inviting one of my best friends here to Adelaide and he came and spoke at our church here in Adelaide um, one of my best friends is a guy by the name of Stefan. He was in youth ministry with me on the Gold Coast many, many years ago. 
And it was such an awesome privilege to have Stefan come and meet you all and preach at the church. And it was such a joy for me to introduce Stefan to you. And why was it such a joy? Because he is my good friend. And I wanted you to know my good friend, Stefan. Well, if we are growing in that inward journey, then it's natural that we will grow in that outward journey. We would want others to know our best friend, Jesus. And so friendship with Jesus involves an inward journey and an outward journey. And both of these journeys must be happening at the same time. You know, if you're growing and going deep in the inward journey, but it's not pushing you outward on mission, then something is wrong. But also, if you're outward on mission, but you're not having that inward journey where you're getting to know Jesus, then you will soon dry up. You see, our personal relationship with Jesus is the spark that ignites the fuel of mission. But what do you do if you've lost that spark? What if you're sitting there this morning and you realize that you have stalled in that inward journey with Jesus or that outward journey with Jesus? What do you do to deepen your friendship with Jesus? Well, that's what I want to finally have a look at this morning. We've looked at what is the indicator of that we are becoming a better friend of Jesus. It's that we're becoming like Jesus. And we've looked at what friendship with Jesus involves. It involves an inward journey and involves an outward journey. But now let's look at how we deepen our friendship with Jesus. And I want to give you three words this morning that I think will help you to deepen your friendship with Jesus. If you want to deepen your friendship with Jesus, then I want to give you these three words. You need to guard, you need to obey, and you need to celebrate. If you want to deepen your friendship with Jesus, then you need to guard your friendship with Jesus, you need to obey his commandments, and you need to celebrate his love. First, you need to guard your friendship with Jesus. You see, deepening your friendship with Jesus will come at a cost. It will take time to deepen your friendship with Jesus. And our world is antagonistic towards Jesus. It's seeking to lead us away from friendship with Jesus. And that's why you need to guard your friendship with Jesus. You know, James, um, Jesus' little brother, he once said, if if you're a friend of the world, it makes you an enemy towards God. And you know, when I think of someone who didn't guard their friendship with God, I think of Lot in the Old Testament. He was the nephew of Abraham. And the writer of Hebrews does say that Lot was a person of faith. But given the chance of where to pitch his tents by Abraham in Genesis 13, it says that he pitched his tents near Sodom, the world, the place of wickedness. And by Genesis 14, sadly, he was dwelling in Sodom, a place of wickedness. And then by Genesis 19, he was hesitant to leave Sodom and had to be forcibly removed by the angels, even though he knew judgment was coming upon Sodom. You see, Lot was saved, but he wasn't like Abraham, who was considered a friend of God. And this is because he chose friendship with the world over friendship with God. So guard your friendship with Jesus. Make the choice to spend time with him. Everything will be seeking to drag you away. This world is seeking to drag us away from friendship with God. But as James says, if you make yourself a friend of God, 
you will sadly make yourself an if you make yourself a friend of the world, you will sadly make yourself an enemy of God. But not only do we need to guard our friendship with Jesus, we also need to obey his commandments. You know, I think it's very important to point out that the term servant was often used by the early Christians to describe their relationship with Jesus. Um, Paul, as you read his letters, will often call himself a doulos, a servant, a slave of Jesus. Now, was Paul correct in calling himself a servant? Did he have a self-esteem problem? No, I don't think so. You see, as D.A. Carson notes, our friendship with Jesus is not a friendship of equals. He is still the master. We are still his servants. Jesus still gives us commands as he's been doing in this passage. So it's not a relationship of equals where Jesus is my buddy or something like that. You know, it's interesting that John who wrote these words, who called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, and who this very night leaned back at the Last Supper on the breast of Jesus, it's very interesting that as an old man, when he was on the island of Patmos and was given this vision of the resurrected Jesus in all of his glory, he didn't go up to Jesus and high-five him and say, how you going, buddy? No, John fell down as if dead. You know, Psalm 25 and verse 14 says this, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. You see, maybe the reason you're not growing in your friendship with Jesus is that you're too familiar with him. Friendship with Jesus is not a friendship of equals. He is still the king, and we are his subjects. He deserves our deep reverence, our surrender, our submission. He deserves our all. But finally, to deepen your friendship with Jesus, I think not only involves guarding that friendship with Jesus and obeying and fearing Jesus, but it also involves celebrating his love. You see, as I said right at the very beginning of my message, his love and his grace will always be the basis of his friendship with us. You see, friendship with Jesus is not something you earn and it's not something you deserve, but something that he freely offers and invites us into. And as you celebrate his great love for you, you will find love for him welling up in your heart that one so great, one so powerful would die for you. You know, it's interesting that we are studying this passage in John's Gospel on the weekend when we celebrate Anzac Day. Because verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends, is often read on Anzac Day as we remember the great sacrifice that our soldiers went through to purchase our freedom. And there are so many great stories from the First and Second World War that illustrate sacrificial love. One that particularly touches me um, comes from the Battle of Marden. It occurred near the end of the First World War. As most of you know, the First World War was fought in trench warfare. There were these 16-foot trenches and the conditions were terrible. The Germans were on one side and the Allies were on the other and between them there was this no-man's land. And the no-man's land usually had um, barbed wire and landmines and it was constantly being raked by machine gun fire and there was rifles, uh, people shooting rifles from sniper positions. 
And when someone tried to run through no man's land, and typically they wouldn't make it all the way across, well, at the end of that battle, in the very early part of August in 1918, there was a young man whose name was Jimmy. And as he ran out of the trench, he made it halfway across and he was shot. And he lay dying in the middle of no man's land. But he was hidden well enough that he could no longer be hit by gunfire. And he laid out there not for one day, but two days, moaning in agony. And during the second day, his friend who was unscathed from the battle was at the bottom of the trench and he went to his commanding officer and he asked permission if he could go and get his friend. And the commanding officer said, why would you want to do that? He's as good as dead already. Why would you forfeit your own life knowing that you are only going to get shot? And he said, well, he is my friend. That's what friends do. Well, the commanding officer did give him permission. He said, if you must, you can go. Well, when there was a small break in the fighting, the friend took off. B bullets began to rain down on him. He made it to Jimmy and he put him over his shoulder. But about halfway back to the trench, machine gun fire opened up on them and he took over a hundred rounds and they both fell into the trench. Well, laying at the bottom of the trench, Jimmy was in fact dead. And the commanding officer, almost in anger, but very impressed with this young man's bravery, turned him to him and said, I told you he was dead. Why did you run out into no man's land to get someone who was dead? Well, in this man's last dying breath, he said, when I got there, he wasn't dead. And he looked in my eyes and he said, I knew you would come because you are my best friend. Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. This is exactly what Jesus did so that we could become his friends. He gave up his life so that we might live. He died in our place so that we might have life. Maybe today you've never accepted the invitation to become the friend of God. The uniqueness of Christianity is not that you perform religious exercises or you do religious things, but the unique invitation of Christianity is to become a friend of God and God has done everything necessary for you to enter into friendship with him because he has already died in your place, taking your sin so that you can be forgiven and can be his friend. And maybe today God is speaking to you and he's inviting you for the very first time to become his friend this morning. If you want to become his friend this morning, then I'm going to pray a prayer in a few moments and I invite you to pray this prayer along with me. And the amazing thing is, is that God is so big that he's everywhere and he will hear your prayer and he will hear that humble prayer and he will come into your life and he will become your friend, your friend. A friend that will never leave you, a friend that will always love you. And through friendship with him, you will be transformed and you will become a good friend to others. 
Well, let me pray. Let me pray right now. If you want to become a friend of Jesus this morning, then just pray this prayer along with me. Dear God, I'm so sorry that I've been rebelling against you and turning against you. I'm thankful for what Jesus has done on my behalf, that he died for me so that I might become your friend. Lord, I just come to you now and I just, I just want to become your friend and I, I ask you to forgive me for my rebellion. Forgive me and come into my life, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.